How is the workforce reacting to the accelerated use of AI across all industries? And how can leaders use data literacy to mitigate those fears and concerns while using AI to drive digital transformation? In this episode of Data Humanized, we'll explore these questions with Claire Gubian, the Global Vice President of Business Transformation at Dataiku. Welcome to Data Humanized, presented by Correlation One. In each episode, we bring you the unique perspective from enterprise leaders at the intersection of technology and humanity who are leading cultural transformation through the power of data. You'll also hear the real life stories of learners who have graduated from the Data Science for All program and are embarking on new career pathways, creating a more inclusive, collaborative, and effective workforce. I'm your host, Mark Palmer. Please visit the Correlation One website for more about how data literacy transforms enterprises and tell your friends about the Data Humanized podcast. So why is data literacy important? You know, AI is projected to replace 85 million jobs by 2025, but create 97 million jobs at the same time. But we have a massive skills gap. Over three quarters of workers don't feel ready to thrive in a digital first world. The problem's gonna continue to grow. Also by 2025, 70% of us will work heavily with data. So we have some work to do. Data literacy is the key to closing the skills gap, but only 15% of leaders say they're ready to transform their workforce. So today we're going to learn from Claire Gubion, the Global Vice President of Digital Transformation at Dataiku, how she's helping organizations accelerate transformation through data literacy, upskilling, and best practices. Hi, I'm Mark Palmer. I'm here with Claire Gubion for the Data Humanized podcast. Claire is from Data Haiku, one of my favorite named companies uh, in the data science uh, planet. She is the global vice president of digital transformation at Data Haiku. And a lot of people listening to this will probably know of them. They're one of the best um, data science platforms um, in, in the industry called the leader by all sorts of analysts and uh, and a fantastic tool. I know a lot of people that have a lot of affection for it. For, so I'm uh, really excited to have you here, Claire, to talk to us on uh, Data Humanized. Welcome. Thank you, Mark. I'm very excited to be here as well. <laughs> so we have to start with the name of the company, mm -hmm. which I'm told um, by my friends at Data Haiku is a combination of data and haiku, the form of poetry, which I think is one of the most elegant names of a company I've uh, I've heard. So um, I was curious if you had a data haiku haiku to share with us to start off. Yes, I do, Mark. Um, before I share it with you, it was actually the tradition a few years ago that every new joiner would have to compose a haiku. I actually asked our little friend, ChatGPT, for some assistance. And I uh -oh. thought, hmm, let's do it. Data haiku haiku with digital transformation. And this is what it did. Data haiku guides change. Business transforms, blossoms. AI steers new course. I think it's pretty spot on with this podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's dangerously good. It's dangerously good. In fact, yeah, that's that's actually what 
uh, I, th I thought we'd jump in. That, that, that's excellent, by the way, and, and kudos for bringing in chat GPT to it. Um, you know, but it is the intersection of data and humanity. That's why we call it the data humanized. So, and your role is really interesting because your job isn't to, you know, build the tools or, um, you know, it's to, is to help your customers go through their digital transformations using data science. So, you know, maybe you could start off talking about your role there. And I know, you know, your one of your passions is about the best practices associated with that, which I'd love to, that I think it's the first, first topic to drill down into. So maybe you can take us through what you see as some of the best practices you've seen people use data IQ to solve and, um, and go from there. I'm sure. So indeed, I lead the, the business transformation team at data IQ and we're a team of what, 15 senior advisors with all, um, uh, background in consulting in data and analytics. And what we like to tell our customers is they've invested in a great technology, which is data IQ. They are embarked on a digital transformation journey and it goes beyond the tech. It's about the people, about the process, about driving a data-driven um, culture. And so we work with what, 500 customers across multiple geographies, multiple industries. And this gives us a very unique lens of what works and what are the pitfalls also to avoid when you're driving transformation. And we've put together an everyday eye blueprint um, in order to flesh out um, in a more comprehensive way how to go about it. And there are two points that we like to highlight specifically where we see AI winners really invest. The first one is ensuring a stringent alignment between data science and the strategic priorities in the company, really thinking through what use cases you're investing in, starting with a business problem. And then the second area where we see um, very successful companies invest mostly is change management and upskilling of employees, not just giving them a new tool and a new technology, but really investing on how to change the way decisions are made, changing the way people work together, embracing data analytics. And that doesn't stop at the data scientist or data analysis, analyst level. It um, is throughout the organization. So it incorporates both the subject matter experts and the data experts. Yeah, I mean, so it, so well said. I, I think we had talked about a recent survey that um, uh, from New Vantage Partners, um, you know, Tom Davenport's group that says that you know ninety percent of leaders identify culture change as the biggest obstacle to, to doing better AI. However, only one point nine percent of them invest as their number one priority. Uh, changing culture in AI. So how do you, you know, maybe talk about some of those ways that you help clients get that alignment. I think that's one of the big um, challenges, right? Like how do you get data scientists? We talk about data humanists, right? Which is, you know, sort of the intersect, you know, people that are more like come, come from a domain background and know enough data science to really work mm -hmm. with the business and understand and get a, a business mindset. Um, but what do you, what have you, what do you find in your, with your clients that, that tends to work? How do you get that alignment done? I guess that's the big trick, right? Oh, definitely. So again, the answer is in people process, uh, and tech, right? Uh, so first of all, um, the tech, um, investing in a tool like data IQ, which helps bring different level of code knowledge and domain expertise on one single platform 
to be able to collaborate and crack business problems. We really believe in the power of that, where the best projects are when you have the domain expert. So let's say person from marketing, person from supply chain, um, and uh, the people who are the data experts who know where the data sets are, who know how to build models, are put together in one platform. So that's one piece, which is really breaking the silos between the teams. Then from a process perspective, we really believe in the importance of spending time reviewing um, use cases, qualifying them and prioritizing them against what value are they going to bring, what costs are they going to incur, and what are the risks attached um, to them. And then the third piece is um, looking at how do you drive culture. So let's spend just one, uh, a few seconds understanding what is behind the word culture. Culture is the system of belief, the common system of belief that helps people best work together and make decisions. And the word that strikes me as really important in this definition is beliefs, right? When we're talking about beliefs, we are in the, the domain of the irrational, right? And looking at barriers to adoption of data analytics, one very concrete barrier to adoption is fear of losing my job, right? Of not being relevant anymore. And that's the fear that we love the most working on. Why? Because we actually believe that it's the opposite. Um, AI, data analytics actually helps make people extraordinary. That's our tagline, right? A data IQ. Everyday AI, extraordinary people. Everyday AI, what do we mean by that? AI can be applied to any business decision to make it better or any business process to make it faster and um, improve it. And it can help make people extraordinary by giving them more capabilities, uh, making them faster. And we love to talk about these examples. Um, so one example, for instance, one of our big customers, Standard Chartered Bank, and they are embarked on a transformation journey. They have equipped their financial analysts with data IQ. And thanks to that, they've been able to cut down the time that they were spending on PL forecasting from 2,000 hours per month to about 70 hours how they have been able to do that by automating the manual tasks. And not only have they been able to reduce the time they spend, but they are also improving the accuracy of their prediction because they're able to compute much more data in a quicker amount of time. We're not talking about sending people to the moon here, right? We're talking about what we call the mundane use cases, the everyday processes and where people can really augment their jobs thanks to data analytics, right? And so how do you drive change? Well, you drive change by showcasing these kind of examples, right? Tangibly speaking, we're talking about spending less time on manual tasks, going faster, and um, being able to make better decisions. Love it. You know, one of my favorite examples with this fear um is what David Artor from MIT talked about in a TED talk that he did, right? Where he compared the fear of automation to what happened with introducing automated tel teller machines, you know, about 20 plus years ago. And everybody said, oh, well, that's the end of uh, teller, you know, tellers in the banks. There's the end of people in the 
in the branch, but actually what happened is jobs increased, tellers increased because, but they just weren't doing the cast dispension anymore. They were actually doing higher value tasks, right? And they were doing mm-hmm. better. So they weren't doling out money. They were doing customer service. They were, you know, doing, um, you know, p- providing a, a sort of an elevated form of uh, service, which it sounds like your example with Standard Charter is 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 a, is a great example of where AI is making their job better, and presumably the net um, uh, impact was that those people are doing better jobs and probably more interesting work, right? Exactly, we hear that every day. So the second thing that my team does is value engineering, and we uh, document um, how customers are using the data IQ technology and how much value they're creating um, with it. And honestly, it's the best job ever because you hear about value creation every single day, but also just amazing use cases. And the number of times where I hear um, this technology is making me love my job uh, again or more because um, it does remove the time spent on manual repeat tasks to focus on what people love the most doing, uh, which is creating, or in the case, for instance, of banker, spending more time um, in the re- building the relationship with their customer instead of researching, right? That is a great part of the job is seeing that intersection with humanity, right? But of course, the only problem is you can't hang an ROI on loving my job better, can you? Or can you? I mean, you certainly can with the subsequent, you know, with the knock-on effects, right? Of like just, you know, enjoying, I don't know, for a teller, right? Enjoying when somebody comes into the bank and, you know, get developing a relationship. So I do think that's the irony of it is that the fear is that they'll be automated away. The reality is that you'll do better and actually, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of cases, elevate your work. Let's, let's talk about measurement. That was something that mm-hmm. you brought up in your principles. I mean, um, uh, you know, in, in, in my background, I've, I've worked with companies that measured um, sort of the percentage of employees engaged. As you pointed out, you made a great point, though. Not everybody has to be engaged mm-hmm. with uh, data mm-hmm. science. Um, so what have you found there best practice-wise about mm-hmm. measurement methodology or even frameworks or, um, you know, how, how do you, how do you advise companies look at that um, aspect of uh, tracking what you're, uh, what you're up to with, uh, with data? Yes. A great question. So I believe that um, tracking is the only way to measure progress on uh, a transformation uh, initiative, right? And, but what are the KPIs that you can use to track digital transformation? And so asking um, customers and looking again at some very successful programs, being able to track, um, the example that comes to my mind is Mercado Libre, um, who has defined a specific KPIs in terms of percentage of employees who are using the tools, um, how frequently do they use the tools and then what value is being generated by the usage of these tools. So it's both from an adoption play, right? And from a business outcome play. One of my favorites there is uh, the Scottish EPA is a customer I've worked with in the past, the Environmental Protection Agency of Scotland, right? Um, and uh, they have eight, they, they achieve, like uh, with 1,200 employees, that 80% were, were touching data all the time. Now that's the EPA though, because their job is sort of to understand the country, 
you know, the, 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 the environment and right. That's a very heavy data. I mean, the basic, the nature of the business is about data, but that's, I think, um, a similar methodology. So usage, who's using it, how often. And then of course the art of it is trying to measure the impact, but, um, I guess that's why you get a good value, value, value consultants and, and, and partners to help you help you through that. Right. When I first started getting into business intelligence, it was a new skill. Then I found myself reaching for it just about every day, even just to like to track my daily like routine. Right. So it's, once it becomes a, a, a tool that's just natural, like breathing, then it's uh, that's the ultimate. Right? <laughs> um, I, I can't say I've gotten to that point with Danaku. Maybe uh, after a couple more years, I'll get to that. I'll get to that point. Let's, uh, let's talk uh, responsible API. AI. Uh, you know, I think that's a, a, another one that's so important. We talked about how do you, I mean, of course, the, the blessing of AI is all the things that we've talked about, all the power you can get from it. But of course, the, 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 the other side of that is the responsibility of, of, of using it. Governance, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, we had talked about, I had done, I've done a lot of research in the uh, AI bias mitigation area uh, based on work from, by Daniel Kahneman and social scientists, right? About how do you, how do you mm-hmm. mitigate risk and um, Kahneman himself says really the only, the only, since humans can't identify bias themselves and they program algorithms, it's really hard for them to spot the bias that they might place into algorithms or the, what they're exhibiting. So he talked about, you know, the concept of decision observers, i.e. the best way to spot bias is to ask somebody else to identify it for you. So I'm guessing that with your collaborative approach um, in what you do with your, with your clients, that that's um, in line with some of the things that that that, that you talk about, which is um, you know to get more involved, cohort mm-hmm. style. But what are your what are your thoughts there? What are, what are the best practices you've seen in the data IQ universe uh, for people doing more responsible AI? Yeah, definitely. And responsible AI is really built in um, the principles of our product. Um, I think the one you alluded to, which is collaboration of different stakeholders, right? Um, balancing um, points of view, but also bringing information that everyone possesses, um, that is just one very uh, clear way, right? Uh, To echo what you were saying about Daniel Kahneman that I absolutely love. Um, The second uh, piece is we've invested in developing specific features that enable to detect uh, bias in data sets, bias in models, and um, to be able to know make decisions right um at least knowing uh what um, the bias is and then um you know we do a lot of evangelization on the topic as well to raise awareness about it and um you know making sure it's at the forefront of um decisions within the tool or is it a procedural thing heuristics or the algorithms detect um potential bias in an algorithm do you is that something that um sort of something that's a a, a procedural thing where you flag and then you know broadcast like, hey we think there's some bias or we've detected something because of course bias or discrimination pretty straightforward but some are very gray areas so how, how do you think about that and how do you coach your clients to to, to sort of deal with the grayness of this uh, really super important area. So yes, we do have specific product features such as bias detection that are built in. And then we do have a team uh, within our business solutions department um, that owns notably all our governance uh, uh, principles. And 
that's where we can actually do hands-on work with customers to help their defi better define governance principles and uh, governance processes that can then also be integrated within the product, within the govern uh, console, uh, which helps looking at a given project. So you can monitor all projects from the govern console and identify what are the potential risks tied to um, these projects in a very detailed way. That's great. You know, you know, it's it's funny. I I've always railed against the citizen data scientist mm. um, uh, phrase just because you know my crack on this is that uh, you know nobody really wants a citizen doctor to operate on them. They wouldn't want a citizen data scientist to design algorithms. However, in this context, right, it seems that this is like really where the combination of what you're talking about about getting more people sort of citizen data science aware and literate, right, which is what we talk about here, so that they can interpret these. Like my other side of the joke about the doctors is, yeah, you don't want a citizen, any citizen operating on you, but everybody should be able to understand and interpret their chart mm -hmm. or their vital signs, their, 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 basic, um, their basic health. So I, I suppose that's where you get that artful intersection between something that's very technical and having more people be able to see uh, where bias might be and be able to like read their chart, mm -hmm. right? I mean, effectively, it sounds like that's what you're describing that uh, where, where you built that in. Yeah, and we, we don't really like using citizen data scientists either because um, it, it kind of brings, it doesn't bring the, the idea that we're trying to convey. Uh, right. So we prefer talking about um, accelerating impact of data experts and upskilling domain experts mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. that's how that's how we like to think about it and then bringing these two profiles data experts and domain experts on a common platform to be yep. able um to get the right insights love it love it i mean that's where we, that, that's kind of where the uh data humanized uh term came from for the podcast right it was like uh, this idea of data humanist right so there's the intersection of like the humanist the, the subject matter expert and data more data literate like if you can get 20 percent data literate and a, and a subject matter expert or domain expert or um i think that's that's a long long ways to the to, to getting um becoming more effective so we were talking about the way i like to finish these things with this three two one idea right um uh, a, a favorite quote two books you would take perhaps to an island if you could only take two three actions or takeaways that uh you know if you if you were to give people three things to walk away from on this this topic, what would they be? Uh, yes. So if I start with the quote, um, you must have picked up from my accent that I am French. And so I was very inspired by uh, a French quote, which is Paris was not built in one day. And um, I like this quote. Why? Especially now where everything just goes so fast and we talk about speed all the time. Yes, absolutely. And we um, are all about delivering AI quick wins, but also creating change takes time. It is a journey. Um, and, you know, understanding that and understanding that it's long-term investments is important. So that would be my quote. Your second request was two books. So actually I did not go on the data science uh, path at all. I thought, I thought if I'm going to a desert island where I would be deprived of people to talk with, I must uh, have 
you know, books that will entertain both my imagination and, uh, and thinking. And so the two books I came up with was, I'm a big fan of Stefan Zweig, who writes um, very uh, good biographies, as everyone knows. And there's one that I specifically like, which is Magellan, uh, the Explorer. And, uh, you know, I like uh, reading about former pioneers, right? And how, you know, what their growth mindset was back then, right? Uh, always good things to learn from that. And then um, the second one is more a pun, but I thought if I'm going to be isolated on a, a desert island, I must absolutely take 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez to, you know, <laughs> understand a bit better um, the consequences of isolation and ponder about that. Uh, so, so yes, two fiction books, but uh, that have a lot of breakthrough thinking in there. Actions perspective, so key takeaways, uh, you know, we, we touch upon these themes, but really the first one is don't think about data as just a, a data expert um, field, right? Um, invest in data upskilling to bring your domain experts up to speed on these topics. It will um, just make the whole company better. The second one is um, a temptation to think that any data project is created equal, but no, start with the business problem in mind and then spend the adequate time part qualifying and prioritizing use cases to make sure that you're working on the right ones that will actually deliver business value um, and understand what is the business value tied to the data project. Last but not least, um, we're talking about change management here, and I believe in a very basic technique, which is success calls for more success. Identify those flagship use cases that are going to create adhesion and understanding of what AI can do for your company, and also call inspire others to follow suit. And when you communicate about this, avoid any sort of data science jargon, focus on the business language um, that can be understood by anyone, because again, AI can be really applied to any parts of the business. Uh, I love it. Paris wasn't built in a day. Yes, exactly. That's it. And thank you. And we're definitely going to have to share that data haiku, haiku uh, uh -huh. with, uh, with help from ChatGPT. Thanks a lot. Uh, this, was, this was really just a, a great conversation, Claire. And um, and uh, we really enjoyed having you. And um, we'll put all the links to um, maybe the case studies and things that you mentioned here in the show notes. Um, those are great. I mean, the, it really, the rubber meets the road when you get those, those real uh, examples of cultural change from NXP and Standard Charter. Those are, those are great stories. So thank you so much for, for, for being here with us. Of course. Thank you so much, Mark. This was great. <laughs> great. Thanks very much. All right. Cheers. Next, we'll hear from Brianna, a graduate from Correlation One's Data Science for All program about her experience. Hi, my name is Brianna Thornhill. Um, I am based in San Antonio, Texas, and I am a member of cohort three of DS4A Empowerment. Um, so what have I gained from DS4A Empowerment? Um, the list could go on and on, but the main thing I think I've gained is just a greater sense of confidence in both my personal and professional life. It's probably, I could probably count on one hand the number of times in the past decade. I've been in a room with other people who look like me in both academic and professional settings. So being a part of this program was just so affirming that 
I belong in this data and in this tech space. It's okay to be a person of color and a nerd and that it's also okay to constantly be learning to not know things and just the work you put in is enough to, to affirm you're in the space you want to be in. Um, I've loved math and I've loved data and solving problems for as long as I can remember. And being in school, I had a really hard time trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And even jumpstarting my career just three years ago, it, um, it wasn't exactly where I wanted to be. But after being in this program, I definitely have a better sense of where I want to go. And I also now have a better sense that even if I don't know exactly what I'm doing, it's going to be okay in the end as long as I put in the work. And I may not know exactly what my five or 10 year plan may be, but I just have so much more confidence knowing that that can be ever evolving as well as myself can be ever evolving. Thank you. As a fellow nerd, I love Brianna's passion and courage to embark on her data journey with Correlation One. Her experience personifies the mission of the DS4A program in three ways. First, access to data skills that help Brianna feel confident that she belongs in the tech space, fueling her career in engineering solutions. Second, equal access to career opportunities for all. Brianna's enthusiasm and excitement should motivate any leader and remind us the power of democratizing access to the skills of the future. And finally, Brianna made a big pivot when she decided to elevate her career. After graduating from DS4A, she now has the data skills she needs for her new journey. So why does Brianna's story matter? Her fresh and enthusiastic point of view reminds me of what Correlation One's co-CEO, Rashid Sabah, wrote in the Harvard Business Review. He said, Diverse teams reduce the risk of groupthink. By investing in data literacy across the enterprise, businesses can bring more divergent and creative perspectives to bear to both mitigate the risk of algorithmic bias and identify efficiencies and opportunities that the data can often reveal. We close with our weekly segment that we call the big number. We heard from Claire about the challenges organizations face in preparing their workforce for AI. And we opened the show with a fun haiku from Data Haiku, written by ChatGPT, which was pretty scary good. So this week, our big number is 85%. That's the estimated percentage of all data in the world that's unstructured, including text messages, images, emails, videos, and social media content. Imagine if all of that data could be harnessed using AI for good, of course. We also heard from Brianna about how new data skills changed her career pathway and gave her confidence through a sense of belonging in the tech industry. Enterprises have to find new ways to ensure equitable career opportunities for a workforce that can make smarter decisions with diverse backgrounds and perspective. Leaders in turn must find ways to enable their entire organization to extract business value from that data. To do that, we need ubiquitous data literacy. We need data humanized. Data Humanized is presented by Correlation One. We're building the enterprise workforce development platform of the future. If you're interested in learning more about how data literacy can power digital transformation at your business, please follow us on LinkedIn and subscribe to our newsletter via our website.